Hello, you beautiful soul. My name is Heaven. I am a Reiki teacher, a spiritual coach, a light worker, and a truth seeker. A large part of my role is to bring awareness to all things spiritual, personal development, and the truths of this world. I am so happy to have you here. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my goodness, it feels really nice. Also really weird to be doing this right now. I'm doing it from full mom mode. Just fed baby. You might hear a few noises. It's been a day of cluster feeding, so I'm like, hmm, are we going to get this done? Or is he going to wake up? So if you hear little baby noises in the background, he's finally sleeping after many, many hours of being awake. <laughs> So I'm praying we get through this. The last you would have heard of my story would have just been pregnancy updates, which is crazy to think I'm not pregnant anymore. It feels freaking amazing, by the way. Freaking amazing. I definitely am grieving having him so close to me all the time inside of my womb, but it feels good to not be pregnant anymore. And with all that being said, it brings me to this podcast that I'm recording today and it's part one of two of my birth story which feels insane to say out loud. <laughs> I'm a mom. <laughs> I know how much I loved listening to other women's birth stories and I'm so excited to be able to talk about my own. That's just insane <sighs> with all of my postpartum hormones and emotions and all the things that I'm feeling, don't mind me if I can't find the right word or if I fumble on my words. Brain fog and lots of exhaustion <laughs> is where we're at. But it felt really good to just talk today. Josh is out of the house. He might be here for part two. He's very involved in my whole story. Um, so he might, depending on what he wants to do for his own healing, but that is why I'm splitting up my birth story into two. For me, my birth itself was a dream. It was everything I could have wanted, and then my afterbirth was, it took a little turn. Um, I'm still processing a lot, so I'm not sure when that part will be out, but it will be coming, and I will be talking about it because I just know that's what I need to do for my healing <laughs> for the healing of the whole the whole story of the birth of all the things so with all that being said let's just get into it let's just do this again I'm running on not my own timeline anymore so if Kai wakes up <laughs> then we're doomed not actually but okay let's get into this so I guess I will start with a few weeks before he arrived I was experiencing so many pains in my body. I had a lot of lower back pain and into my sciatica. Um, he was very low. He was very big too. So my midwife had some worries that he was small. He wasn't growing in my womb. So she was worried that he was actually small and not growing. And that could mean concerns with my placenta. Could mean a lot of things. So... She suggested some ultrasounds, um, which, of course, were all my, were all my, 
here we go with not knowing words already, (laughs) Um, which I consented to. They were all on my terms if I wanted them or not. So she suggested an ultrasound just to see that the placenta was still delivering oxygen and blood to baby. And so I said yes, went for that ultrasound and all was good. We got to see him in the womb. He was sucking on his hand at the time which was so sweet and we measured him in that ultrasound and he was coming out at 8 8 11 8 11 which is insane <laughs> so no concerns of him not growing and no concerns on my placenta that all looked very good which was oh he's spitting up here we go it's okay <laughs> and he's back awake so we'll just we'll just go with this <laughs> So that was great. At that point, I would have been 39 weeks, so not fully at my estimated due date. I was not very attached to his due date, which was November 20th, which, funny story, was my due date with my mama. So we ended up conceiving and having our pregnancies carry out at the exact same time, just 26 years apart, which I find so just so divine, so universal. It just is beautiful, that whole thing. So November 20th came around and I was just in so much pain. Honestly, my body was really tired of being pregnant, being so petite. I was just exhausted. I won't lie. The last trimester for me was definitely the hardest, just with all the body pains, the changes, carrying so much weight Um, and I started experiencing a lot of really bad headaches to the point where it would blur my vision almost and it didn't sit right in my intuition. It didn't sit right at all for me. There was something going on in my body was really trying to tell me something but I kind of ignored it. (laughs) I won't lie. I was just at that point thinking, okay, well, he's going to come sooner rather than later and all my symptoms will subside. I don't need to worry. I don't need to panic. All of that. So, November 20th comes and goes and another midwife appointment happens and again he still wasn't growing very much so she said why don't we do another ultrasound we're at that point now where we really need to closely monitor things and I know that in the system this could be a time where a lot of fear gets placed onto mamas of needing to induce needing to do this needing to get the baby out or else you know xyz can happen And I want you to know that your body was made to do this. Your baby has a timeline that no one else knows. And that's so important. So don't ever allow anyone to scare you into an induction, scare you into getting this baby out. Your intuition will tell you what you need to do. Um, Working with midwives was really the best thing I could have done. My midwife always consented never fear monger she is an absolute angel I ended up having two at the end I had a student midwife and then my own midwife Kirsty. I'll refer to her by her name and then the student midwife was Tara so I had two at the end which they were an act- an absolute dream to work with I'm so blessed so I'll always vouch for midwifery and the care you get with midwives it's just so different um I've talked about this in my last pregnancy updates but really it came through and it showed so much how aligned this decision was especially with my birth so Kirsty always made sure that I felt very safe and comfortable with getting 
more ultrasounds. Again, she did not place any fear, just wanted to make sure we were making the best decisions for where we were at with pregnancy. It's very much loosen the reins. You don't have control. Allow your intuition to take over. So we did another ultrasound and again, he was perfectly happy, completely okay. And at that point, he was measuring in close to nine pounds. He was actually growing even more. And I want to say ultrasound is not an accurate representation of birth weight. It is an estimate. So also don't let that scare you if they're saying baby is underweight or really big and that your body can't birth a big baby. Again, your body created this. There is no way your body would do something that it was not that was not sustainable, that it could not follow through with. So I want that to be a really loud message. <laughs> um, so I was never worried about, you know, when they said a big baby, I was just like, wow, he is very comfy in there. He's very happy in there. Um, but my body was still really struggling with um, my headaches. I was then having a lot of shortness of breath. I couldn't breathe. So I brought this up to my midwife a few times and then I eventually paged her and I said, hey, I'm really not feeling great. Um, can we do something about this? I think I want to look into it. My intuition was screaming at me to check in on my body. And what this looked like was some blood work and a pee test. So she sent that to the lab ASAP. So I went um, immediately and got some blood taken. This would have been November 28th that I went and did this. So I was 40 over 41 weeks at this point pregnant. My body was very much done with being pregnant. <laughs> so went to get that blood work, went for my pee test. Um, I was experiencing, like I said, a lot of what I know now are like practice contractions. So I would, honestly, I think those were worse than my actual contractions. The pains that I was feeling <laughs> leading up to those days, Josh had to carry me often. My mom was here to support. Um, the pain was so bad in my sciatica my sciatic nerve, all of that. It was just so much that I was done. So blood work got rushed off. November 29th comes around and I have a midwife appointment that morning. So we drive an hour to that appointment and that's where I'll get the results of the blood work. So by the time we get there, we were still waiting for one test to come in, but all of the other tests looked fine. There was no concerns with my body. Um, everything was good, basically. And we, in that midwife appointment, did our first cervical check, which again was all consent-based. Um, I had to say yes. I had to give permission. We could have bypassed that if we wanted to. And we were discussing induction at that point. The induction looked like castor oil. We were going to do a little recipe with some castor oil. That's um, a more traditional um, way to induce versus the medical route. So we were going to try that the next day. They did do a sweep. Again, they explained everything to me. My midwives explained the whole process to me. Um, it did not hurt. <laughs> All of these things, I was really scared of the pain just because they were new. And based on everything that I've done research-wise, I was really afraid of them. So I expressed that concern to my midwives and they told me the whole time, you know, if 
Anything we're doing hurts. We'll stop immediately. You have full control of the situation. But I think a sweep wouldn't be a bad thing based on how you're feeling in this moment. And I agreed. I said, you know what? Let's see if this sweep works. Um, let's see if this check says anything. At that point, I was dilated a one. And I was still about 40%. I was 40% effaced. So that's how soft my cervix was. You need to get to a full 100% to say your cervix is really, really soft, really, really ready to give birth. Um, basically, when it's a zero, when it's not effaced at all, it feels like cartilage. It's really, really hard. And as it softens, it then starts to feel like a jelly, a goop in a way. It could seem kind of odd, but that's how the female body works. And did not know this personally before birth. I did a lot of preparations because I wanted to know what was going on with my body. And that's where I learned about the term effacement. So I was 40% effaced and one centimeter dilated. And then she did a sweep, which that was the student midwife did not hurt. It was very strange, the feeling. The worst part of it is the rush of heat that comes through your body. So your body releases a lot of oxytocin in that moment when someone is doing a check and you may get really, really hot and warm. But other than that, there was no pain involved, which was great. It was just very uncomfortable. So we did that at that appointment and my midwives basically said, okay, tomorrow we'll start castor oil that will be the best way to induce. And once we get that last test from your blood work, we'll let you know. So we felt relieved because we didn't know going into that appointment what, you know, everything would look like with based off of how I was feeling. I really wasn't feeling good. So I was nervous and I just felt such a relief after all of that, all of it. I was feeling great. I wasn't crampy from the check. Josh and I went out for brunch and we were so happy, had the best avocado toast, not knowing that would be my last like good meal for a while. Um, on our way home, I got a phone call from my midwife and I'm like, oh shit, this is not good if she's calling me and we literally haven't even left the town that she is in. What's up? So I answer that call and she says, okay, we got the last test and it's not good. <laughs> You're actually showing signs and symptoms of like really close to preeclampsia, which is quite dangerous for mama and baby. So preeclampsia is something that happens before eclampsia and eclampsia is seizures, comas, it's high blood pressure and my body has always had extremely low blood pressure and I knew there was something going on because I had a lot of pressure in my head that I've never felt and I, of course, googled things <laughs> and it said if you have a lot of head pressure, that could be a sign of high blood pressure. So anytime someone took my vitals, my blood pressure actually looked normal, which is not normal for me. My blood pressure is always very low. So I said, no, I'm not supposed to have normal blood pressure. It's actually supposed to be very low and everyone was like, no, 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 you're fine. Um, even my own midwives said, I think it's fine. So when I got that call, they basically said that my kidneys were exhausted. They were going towards damage. Organ damage could happen with just the amount of pressure that was on them. My body was exhausted and it was actually getting to quite a dangerous level. Like my levels were not normal. Um, and they said this in a very calm way, but this was not the news that I wanted 
because Kirsty said, you know what this means is we have to get you to the hospital now. Like you need to get there as soon as possible. Um, and we need to have this baby. We're having this baby. We're doing this now. And of course that brought on so many emotions for me. I actually took a photo with Josh. I'm going to make an Instagram post with everything. Um, photo base that I have from this whole experience um, so you can get a visual of it all but I remember hearing this and I stayed very calm through that phone call it's about 20 minutes where she explained everything that was happening with my body explained how serious this was in a very calm way and then told me okay um, we have one more appointment that is a community-based one so we have to go out an hour each way and then we'll be at the hospital and we'll come see you but we won't be there for when you arrive. And this to me was like tragic because this was not the plan for me. And of course, I always had very loose expectations of what that plan looked like, but this really wasn't it for me. I really wanted to avoid the hospital. I really didn't want to go there, especially without my midwives because I was so afraid of what they would force me to do without my consent. I was just really scared, to be honest. I had Josh with me who knew everything that I wanted and like even looking back on everything now he was incredible he was the best birth partner I could have ever wished for <laughs> so mamas make sure your partner knows your wants and your needs because they are really important so when we got off that phone call I just broke down I was crying I was so upset Josh held me told me it was all gonna be okay <laughs> I'm even getting emotional now <laughs> the hormones <laughs> of it all so I allowed myself to just release <laughs> and then to get excited because it was November 29th and that meant my baby was coming so soon and I knew that was going to happen regardless. Um, I feel like a lot of women don't talk about the end of pregnancy and how hard it is to wake up every day and not know if that's the day you're going to have your baby. Um, so at the end, I was just sitting around a lot and it was really, really hard. So... With this news, we decided, okay, so we need some moments to ground. I needed some time to process. So we went to my sister's. I told my sister, I messaged her and said, okay, I have to go straight to the hospital, but can I come over and ground and take a few moments and all of that? And she's like, okay, yeah, I'm coming home from work. I'm on my way. <laughs> so we headed to Calgary. We're about an hour and a bit away from Calgary where we live in the mountains. So at that point, we were a little over halfway, so we went straight to my sister's, made me feel a lot better just talking to her, kind of grasping the concept like, wow, I'm having this baby so soon, we're doing this not the way that I thought I would be doing this, not at a birth center like I dreamed of, out of the hospital, not in the water, okay, we're doing this, so... I told my midwives I was going to be going to my sister's and Kirsty was like, no, like, okay, fine, go do that, but get to the hospital. Like, we really need you to get there. Um, and her urgency, she's always very calm, but her urgency made me know, like, no, I need to get there. So after about 30 minutes at, at Callie's house, we went to the hospital and my midwife, Kirsty had already arranged for me to meet with the midwife that's working in the hospital this is new in Alberta but they actually have midwives there now um this is something new that's happened in the last 12 months so when I got there arrived checked in and a midwife met with me right away not of course the ones that I've worked with so 
I had to open myself up to working with someone new, but how midwives work is very much consent-based, very much checking in, allowing me to guide and her to follow behind and give, you know, the proper recommendations to what we need. So I went into the assessment room. The midwives met up with me there. Um, The ones that I did, I can't even remember their names. This was so... There was a student one there as well. There was one who was properly working there and then another student. Um, They set me up to IV. They got me kind of hooked up. Um, They told me what would likely happen is that I would go on a medication to start um, my cervix dilating, which is definitely what ended up happening. Um, They kept me very grounded until my midwives arrived. And while we were waiting for my midwives to arrive, we called my mom. She met us there. Um... And I was seen by an OB and the OB checked me again to see where I was at. At that point, I was still a one. I hadn't dilated. Of course, I wouldn't dilate in a setting like that. We have to feel really safe to dilate. And of course, that was all very overwhelming for my body. So I knew I hadn't moved forward in progress at all. Um, And her plan from there with my blood work was to get me set up on Cervidil. And what that is, is like this tiny little, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a tiny little stick looking thing (laughs) that they put onto your cervix and it releases a hormone that then gets you to dilate. So she started me on that. I won't lie, that didn't feel very comfortable for her to put up in there. Um, I definitely liked Tara's hands when checking me. (laughs) Um, the OB was very different. She was so nice though. So again, consenting and told me that I have full control and if it hurts, she'll stop and we'll look at a different route. Um, so she then put the medication to me after about three to four hours of being in the hospital. There were a lot of babies being born. So I got kind of put aside for a little bit. So that already wasn't ideal. So I finally got onto the Cervidil at probably 10 p.m. that evening and then I got moved from the assessment area into like an actual room in the assessment area. So from there, Josh and I just kind of got comfortable. My mom went to my sister's house, which wasn't too far, and we just got comfy while the medication took place. Um, We watched an episode of Netflix and then we tried to sleep. I just tried to sleep. So around 1 or 2 a.m. I definitely started feeling discomfort in my lower back and I didn't know if that was a contraction because it's the same pain that I had been feeling for days at that point so I didn't know if that was a contraction or not Um, but it started to get really intense and I didn't know what to do about it because It wasn't a physiological birth so it wasn't my own body releasing the hormones which meant that with my contractions they were medically induced. It wasn't my own body doing it which meant that it could be more intense than what my body can handle. So I knew this in my mindset going in that this was going to be different because this wasn't physiological anymore. It was medically induced and that changes a lot of things. It changes how we cope with the surges of each contraction. They're no longer our body doing it in a way. It is, but it's again at the hands of a medicine. So the contractions were already getting quite intense and I was feeling so nauseous. The nausea was insane at 
like 2.30 in the morning and I was definitely feeling surges of contractions, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, so I called for the nurse and I said, can I get something for the nausea? And I'm really already feeling some pain. And she decided to do a check. (laughs) That check was 1.5 centimeters dilated and I was still at the same effacement. So I really hadn't made progress and I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. This is hard. This is hard. Um, so she gave me some gravel And in that gravel mix, she actually gave me some morphine to help me just sleep because I just wanted to sleep. At this point, I had opened my heart and mind up to maybe needing pain medication. I knew that, again, this was no longer my body physiologically doing this. I had to open up the possibility so that I could birth my baby vaginally and naturally, which I still really wanted to do. So she gave me uh an injection with morphine and gravel in it and that actually allowed me to kind of like flow in and out of sleep um I've never taken morphine that shit hits (laughs) for someone who like doesn't take medication I was like holy god okay so I felt like I was floating um could definitely still feel the intensity of the contractions they say with morphine you still feel it but you just don't care as much and my midwife said that too um I talked to my midwives at that point they came and checked on me and they said once you progress and your water breaks we'll be back like we just want to come and check on your mental health and your mental state because you didn't want that hospital birth so they definitely checked on me um and I was very grateful for that they spent some time until they felt like I was okay to be left and so I forgot to mention that um they definitely came and checked in um on me and so with that morphine Yeah, I definitely could feel my body still doing things, but I didn't care. Um, And with not caring, that allowed me to just relax. And that's what I needed in that moment. So around 5.30 a.m., my water broke. And that was the weirdest feeling. So the cervidal they placed onto the cervix to make your water break, to move you forward in that way. And then once your water breaks, they actually remove it because then your body will start naturally to have contractions. Um, So my water broke and in my morphine state, I just did not care. (laughs) It felt like the baby kicked so big that I heard an actual pop in my body and then just gushes of water were coming out of me gushing and gushing and gushing and I couldn't move I couldn't even tell Josh Josh was sleeping on the chair beside me and I was just like I'm just gonna let this moment be allow my body to do this and then I'll let someone know I didn't realize I had let that moment be for 30 minutes (laughs) so around six I got up to go to the bathroom with Josh's help and I said oh babe my water broke he's like what your water broke so we were walking to the bathroom and I'm not gonna lie when your water breaks it's not traditionally this like Hollywood moment where it breaks and oh my gosh it's intense and screaming and all the things happen um and there's a gush of water that comes out of you and floods the floor typically that actually doesn't happen um it's very slow you feel the gush maybe sometimes it happens right away maybe sometimes it doesn't even um but when I went to the bathroom water not water (laughs) amniotic fluid came flooding out of me all you could hear was it splash onto the floor and I'm like okay Josh that's my water um we then had the nurse come in and she was like yay this is amazing your water's broke um amazing amazing and 
I was definitely feeling very nauseous still. I was so nauseous the whole time. Um, And so she said, amazing. Okay, so we can move forward now. I'm going to let the other nurses know and we're going to move you to labor and delivery. Like we can move you forward now. Your body's done this. And I'm like, amazing. Okay, so we're making progress. So I get back into bed. And about 30 minutes later, I get moved to labor and delivery. So that's a whole other area of the maternity floor. And this is where basically I'm going to give birth to my baby, this room. So we moved to this room. It's massive. It has a huge recliner chair. It has a shower, a bathroom, a huge bed. Like it's a huge room, um, which was really nice for me. Um, At this point, my sister and my mom were there. They had been there in the other room too, but I was so in and out of consciousness at that point while I was waiting for labor and delivery and just allowing my body to progress that I didn't really talk to anyone I could not talk to anyone I was in this deep state of just feeling my body breathing through contractions um I highly recommend anyone who's planning to do this without like heavy painkillers to get some combs you take the combs and you put them in your hands um I'll probably again upload a photo where you can see the combs in my hands and you put them across and the bristles touch um like almost like a pain point no a pressure point that's the word a pressure point that distracts your body from the pain that it's feeling and you feel pain elsewhere so my combs were my best friends they did not leave my hands the whole time until I started pushing so get yourself some combs if you don't already have them They make a difference. They do help. Um, So I was just focusing on my breath and my combs. I didn't talk to anyone. Got moved to labor and delivery and I was still so nauseous. So they actually gave me some more Gravol, um, which is an anti-nausea medication because I know not everyone calls it Gravol. Um, Just an anti-nausea medication. It does make you pretty sleepy. So I definitely, again, felt the effects of that greatly. I was so loopy and I was still running off of morphine. I had the morphine still in my system for sure for a while. Um, I went the whole day with only that one injection of morphine. I swear it lasted me the whole day, but it might've just been my body going in and out of states of consciousness. (laughs) I'm not really sure. So once we moved to labor and delivery, my big thing all day was just in and out of rest, in and out of consciousness, not in like a scary way. It was just that I was floating and I would feel a surge come on and I would breathe through it and I would groan through it. I was definitely vocal the entire time. So if you're having a baby, don't be afraid to breathe and to get vocal and to groan and to make it known, like let that energy out of your body because that felt really good for me. Um, And I had a beautiful nurse at this point. She was the nurse who was there all day. She was the nurse who helped deliver my baby. Um, I have to give it to the staff at this hospital. They were absolutely insanely incredible. Like, I cannot talk more highly about them. Um, They're just, yeah, they helped make that whole process feel really safe for me. Um, The labor and delivery room was very much a hospital room, but... It felt a little cozier. I didn't use any of my tools that I had brought for the birthing room um, in the birth center just because I was so in and out of my conscious state that I didn't even care. I didn't even care. I had my combs, I had my breath, and I had my voice, and that was enough for me. So I spent all day in and out of this. I, When I would come out of it, 
the nausea would hit so often my mom or my sister were holding a bucket right beside me in case I threw up. I never ended up throwing up. Um, I wanted to because I felt like it would ease some of that nausea, but it didn't end up happening for me. Um, and I know that at one point I came out of it and I asked Callie to braid my hair because it was just getting a little much in my face. So she braided my hair and her hands were so nice and cold. So I asked for her to just touch my arm. And so she spent a long, a lot of time just touching my body with her cool hands. Um, my mom and my sister would go back and forth um, swapping cold rags on my forehead that also felt incredible. And everyone was really just calm and peaceful in the room. It was very calm. There wasn't a lot of people in and out. There was like next to no one in and out, honestly, besides my nurse, Jennifer, and my family members. Um, and I just stayed in this state all day until probably around 2.33 p.m. where I was like, okay, I have to pee. Like, I need to get up and pee. I didn't have any concept of time, so I didn't even know what time it was. I just knew I needed to get up. Um, so Josh and Jennifer helped me to the bathroom. My mom and sister at this point had gone down to the calf to get some food. Um, so it was just us two in the room. And Josh helped me pee. Um, at this point, I had a lot of pads on and like hospital underwear. Um, the whole day, I wanted to stay naked. So I stayed fully naked. <laughs> that felt the most comfortable for me is just not to worry about having clothes on. The whole time I was in the hospital, I was just naked. <laughs> I still spent a lot of my time just naked with breastfeeding. So um, definitely make sure that if you feel best that way, just allow yourself to feel free from clothing. It felt so good for me and just because I was really warm too. So the only thing I had on were like all my pads for when my waters broke and these ugly hospital underwear that become your best friend. <laughs> um, so Josh helped me go to the bathroom and when I was sitting on that toilet, I it was intense. What I was feeling in my body was intense. Um, I didn't know at that point that my contractions were actually extremely close together because one, I had no concept of time and two, my body was just so in and out of the state of consciousness that I did not know levels of intensity, but I do know that it got for me intense. So I was sitting on the toilet trying to pee and then another contraction came on and I was like, oh my God. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't think I can do this anymore. I need an epidural. Um, a huge, oh, a huge thing that I forgot to let everyone know is that when I got moved to labor and delivery, they started me on Pitocin. So Pitocin is synthetic oxytocin. And oxytocin is the hormone that gets your body contracting, that gets your body and your baby closer to arriving. So when it's natural, it's physiological, it'll come in waves that your body can handle. Often, and this is where this like cascade of interventions comes into play. Oh, is he waking up or just stirring? <laughs> um, what will happen in a hospital is that they'll start you on Pitocin and this comes through IV drip and it can be so intense that your body then can no longer actually handle how close together the surges come. So you basically, with a physiological natural birth without um, being induced, it's like hiking a mountain. And you know, sometimes it's that slow crawl, it's that slow crawl to get to the top, it gets more and more intense, and then you finally make it to the top, and that's when you start to push. That's your transition phase. With Pitocin, when it's medically induced, 
you're not slowly climbing this mountain, you're running up it. And sometimes your body cannot handle it. And that's where we see medical intervention take place with epidurals, with pain medication, with cesarean sections, because all of these things then cascade off of one situation, one induction. So I had gone all day with Pitocin with no pain medication other than the morphine. So a lot of the time, like the nurses were pretty amazed. They were pretty impressed because a lot of people need pain medication. But I promise you, if you prepare your body and your mind for this event, you don't need it. Um, If you ask for it, again, don't feel shame. It's okay. It's there. It's a tool to get your baby out. And that's what we need at the end of the day. That's what my midwife told me. Um, So I don't feel any shame about the tools that I did use, the gravel, the morphine, um, any of that, which I do want to say when I received those things, I did ask how it impacts baby and everyone was totally okay to tell me the pros and the cons of everything I did. So don't be afraid to ask for that. That's important. Um, you have the right to do that before any medication. So all day I had been, um, on Pitocin to get this baby out just because again, my health wasn't doing the best and we needed to get the we need to get the ball going. Um, so when I was sitting on the toilet, I told Josh, no, it's too intense. The Pitocin, it's too much. I can't do this. I need an epidural. Um, please like get me this epidural. And then Jennifer walks in and she's like, heaven, I know like you want to do this naturally. Let's get you in the shower. And I was like, I don't want to get in the fucking shower. (laughs) I was in so much pain at that point. And it's not even like pain. That's scary pain. It's just intense pain and intense pain in the way that it's your own body creating it. It doesn't feel like someone's inflicted a wound onto you. Um, but it became, became a lot for me at that point. I was also exhausted. Um, cause like I said, this had been an all day event, which it usually is for first time mamas. So mentally prepare for that. Um, I said, Jennifer, I don't want to get in the shower. And before I could even continue with that, um, they started getting the shower prepped. Actually, I did have a shirt on at that point. Now that I think about it, I had a little top on. So they took my top off, got me into the shower. So I get into the shower. I'm just sitting there on my knees and I'm like propped up on my knees and I'm leaning over this little bench. So I'm kind of on my elbows upwards. Hi, baby. Are you waking up? And as I'm sitting in this position, I feel the surges and they're intense and the heat is not helping. The heat of the shower is not helping. And I'm just like, okay, this is a lot. And then in my state, I feel the urge to push, but it feels like I'm just pushing out a poop. So I thought my body just really had to poop. So I don't tell anyone. Josh is there beside me the whole time. And I don't tell Josh. I just start bearing down to poop and I'm fully expecting to just poop in the shower I'm like it's fine my body will do what it's got to do these are intense poops (laughs) with the pushes that I'm trying to do I'm like oh my gosh okay this is not coming out (laughs) um so I go through two or three contractions where I'm just trying to poop or so I thought I was just trying to poop and I tell Josh I'm like babe I'm really just trying to poop right now like I can't get this poop out and he's like hmm okay and then Jennifer walks back in and I'm like Jennifer I'm trying to poop in the shower I'm really pushing hard and I remember like I was very vocal I was grunting um bearing down and 
it didn't hurt. This part did not hurt. And then Jennifer says, oh, let's get you back in bed. I'm going to do a check. And I was like, I don't want you to do a check because at this point I'd only been checked that morning and I was a one and a half centimeter dilated. Like I was really not far along. So for my mental health, I didn't want to be checked because I didn't want her to tell me that I was at a two and I was experiencing this severe, intense thing. I, I didn't want, I didn't want to hear it. I was like, no, I don't want you to check me. And she's like, heaven, please let me check you. I think we've progressed a lot. And I was like, okay, okay, fine. So we get me back into bed, which was a whole process. Um, cause walking was hard <laughs> and she checks me and she goes, there's no need to be afraid. Cause you're at a 10. We're going to call your midwives. Like we have to get everyone here. I'm going to call the OB. You're having this baby. We're about to push the baby out. And I was like, what? I did it. And I just remember this overwhelming feeling of I fucking did it. I made it through all of the dilation. Little baby coughs. (laughs) I made it the entire way up the mountain. And I was just about to reach that summit, that peak. And I was so excited. When you transition, it's intense. And then there's this period of time where you don't feel any pain any contractions any surges and there's no pain with it and I was at that point and I remember that so Josh lets my mom and my sister know they're like oh my god let's get back up there and so they my mom comes back up we were only allowed two people in the room for me at the time so my mom and my sister kind of swapped out while Josh stayed there it's okay we have a fussy baby who's hungry (laughs) we'll see how (laughs) What do you have to say, baby, about the birth story? Really? Wow. (laughs) So at this point, I really wanted my midwife to be there. I wanted Kirsty there. So I think my body was kind of like waiting for her in a way. Um, Luckily, she wasn't far. She was quite close. Um, So she rushed over. Um, At that point, an OB ran in and she was the one to deliver and there was a student OB with her as well, um, which was great. So more people were coming into the room, which I was okay with just because I think based off the energy of everyone I had dealt with already, they were all angels. I was okay with this. So I remember I was on my side at first and my midwife would press on the top of my belly when I would have a contraction. She would kind of guide me with my pushing, but my body knew what to do. Um, My body was very much in control and I listened to it and my, my mind was gone. It was just me listening to my body and truly it feels like taking the biggest poop of your life. I had Joshua at my head to guide me all day he was saying affirmations all day especially in this moment so I was looking at him most of the time and he was just guiding me and then right beside him was my mom and she was also guiding me I remember at one point she said Callie's out in the lobby doing Reiki on you and I remember that comment so clearly because I was like oh and it gave me like this surge of energy that I just needed so badly okay if you hear little grunting noises baby is on the boob (laughs) I feel like that's the only way right now we're gonna get this done right baby yes okay so hearing that Callie was doing Reiki on me I was tired (laughs) I was tired um 
And this part takes so much energy. Again, I hadn't really eaten much. This is one part of hospital births that I do not resonate with is not allowing mamas to eat. Fuck no. Um, to be honest, I was so nauseous I didn't want to eat. So fair enough. But if I had wanted to eat, I would have got Josh or my mom or someone to sneak food in. Like that is absolutely inhumane <laughs> to me to not allow a laboring mother to eat. Um, and the statistics, the reasons why they do this is because I can't even remember how long ago um, they needed to put a mama down, mama down. Oh my gosh, heaven. <laughs> they needed to put a mama under anesthesia with a cesarean, which we now know most all times, basically. They don't do your awake for that procedure. But one time they had to put a mama to sleep and there's a risk of choking. And I think one single time is what it is, the statistic. This happened and a mama choked while under anesthesia and it was not good. Um, but the stats definitely don't align with the reality. And that is that it's extremely rare to be put completely under for a cesarean. Um, and I learned this in my own research. Um, I think it's in Ina, May, Ina May's guide to, I can't remember what it's even called. Ina May Gaskin, look up her book. It is beautifully empowering and I definitely recommend. But anyways, um, so I was tired at that point because I hadn't eaten since my avocado toast. I think I had a beef sandwich. I did have a beef sandwich and some peanut butter and cookies the night before. My midwife was like, eat this because you won't be able to eat for a while. And I was like, ew, this is disgusting. It was not good. Hospital food is not good. Um, <laughs> so I'd been running all day on nothing basically. But like I said, I was super nauseous. So the energy to push came from honestly hearing my sister was doing Reiki and adrenaline and oxytocin and the thought that my baby will be here so soon it was all of these things helping me to get him out and I remember the whole team was there just guiding me so beautifully letting me know when I was having a contraction to push and how to push because this is all still new for a new and a first-time mama we don't know what that feels like so I was definitely open to receiving that guidance um some women are not again my body did most of it but I needed some guidance on when to push how hard to go all of the things um so they helped with that and I remember the OB turning to the student and saying she's doing this without an epidural like she's doing this all naturally she can feel everything right now which makes it so much easier because then I can feel my own body when it's having a surge and when to push. So that just hearing that the OB was like completely impressed by me was incredible. Um, this OB is amazing. I have to see her again in a couple of weeks and I'm really glad she's been incredible. Um, there are good OBs out there too. <laughs> um, and I ended up pushing for about an hour and all through listening to my own body it was my body in charge while I listened to the guidance of those around me it was the room was full of love I could feel it, it was so beautiful everything I could have wanted considering the circumstances I'm really grateful and at 4 19 p.m after pushing for like I said that one hour um and for me pushing really wasn't painful 
little Kai Jasper Smith was born. I did not tear whatsoever um, because I listened to my body. No one else told me what to do, when to do it. And he was eight pounds, eight ounces. And if anyone who knows me and has seen me, especially in person, I'm extremely petite. So to find out my body birthed a baby at eight pounds, eight ounces, naturally with no epidural, with no tearing, it was like a dream come true for me. He was placed right onto my chest. um, And my mom has my whole birth on video. It does expose quite a lot because like I said, I was naked. um, So I might see what I can do and crop parts of it because my face, when I see my baby, (laughs) he came out screaming. (laughs) They placed him right on my chest and um, he started peeing right at me, like full on pointing towards my face, just peeing. But he was so perfect, so alert, so awake, looking right at me. And my life changed forever. (laughs) Here's me crying. (laughs) There's nothing like the surge of hormones that come from when you birth your baby and you see them. All that work. It was so worth it. Um, So he spent quite a bit of time on my chest. And we just bonded um, quite a bit. We waited for the placenta to naturally detach and then I birthed that placenta which is nothing in comparison to a baby not as much work as like one little push and it feels really good it's just like this relief that comes um and with the birth of that placenta means you're no longer pregnant so when you birth your baby and the placenta is still inside you are still pregnant so I remember that thought of like wow I'm fully not pregnant anymore like this placenta has been birthed from me um and with the birth of that placenta josh was able to cut the cord there was delayed cord clamping i'm not sure how long it was because my whole like state of consciousness again had no concept of time so i have no idea how long it was josh feels like it was a little shorter than we would have liked um i can't say anything i don't know um regardless my midwife said it was okay my mom she looked okay with it everyone knew that I wanted delayed cord clamping um if you don't know much about that I definitely recommend looking into it um when you cut the cord right away you're actually cutting off one third of that baby's supply of blood so I always will vouch for delayed cord clamping no one had an issue with it um no OB no one there had an issue with it Again, they were all very aware that I went into that process with midwives, so they knew I wanted a more natural-based hospital birth. (laughs) Yes, yes, Kai. There we go. Um, And as for his name, um, before I get into the end of this part, um, Kai Jasper Smith. So uh, with his name, he chose Kai. So... I had heard this concept of babies choosing their names and just because I am so spiritual I wanted to see where he would guide me with his name and so I opened up that communication channel with him. I said okay why don't you choose your name? Let's see what comes forward. Let's see what happens and 
Um, one day we were at the park and this was probably in my first trimester still. I remember I wasn't showing at all. Um, this little boy ran up to me. He was probably like one and a half ran up to me across the park and he came and sat right in front of me. And then the dad starts chasing him and he's like, Kai, Kai, get over here. And I was like, wow, that's not on our list of names. That's a really cute name. I really like that. Um, it's unique, but not so unique that it's like, he'll be made fun of or something. Um, having a name like I do, I know that process. Um, so I was like, wow, okay, I'm going to keep my ears and heart open. But that like hit me in a different way. Kai. Um, and then one of my beautiful coaching clients, <laughs> she has a dog and his name is Kai. And I remember saying, oh, I really like that name again. And um, when we started coaching and she like introduced her dog to us. Um, and I was like, Kai, that name again, like what the heck? That's the cutest name ever. So I kept it again in mind. And then I said, one day, actually it was one morning, Josh and I were laying in bed and I was like, okay, I think the name Kai is sticking for a reason. Every time we discuss names, I just felt really called to Kai. Um, so I asked, I said, okay, Kai, if you really want this as your name, make it so known. Like we want to know that this is what you want. Um, and 15 minutes after that conversation with Josh, my mom sends me a video of something and the reporter's name in it is Kai. It's literally Kai. And then I just started freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, it's right there. The sign is right there. Okay, let's do this. And then Josh felt left out and he's like, well, I want a sign. Um, and for those who don't know, Kai actually means sea in Hawaiian. It's the sea as he's like in this half sleepy milk coma right now. So if you hear any noises, that's what that is in the background. Um, so Kai means the sea in Hawaiian. And I just love this. Of course, like it's very earthy, exactly what I could want. Um, so Josh asks for that sign. He's like, well, I want to know that he wants this and I want to experience that sign too. Right after he says that he opens up his Instagram and it's an ad for something Hawaiian and it's just massive waves. It's the ocean there. And we had not been talking about what Kai actually means. And I was like, Josh, that's your sign. Like it was an ad for a vacation or something in Hawaii. And it was just the ocean and massive waves. I'm like, there you go. That's your sign. And he was like freaked out because as I've mentioned in previous podcast episodes, Josh is not on my level with like signs and my spirituality he just definitely leads a different life um so he was freaking out too and we we're like okay hey, that's his name and from that moment forward not many people knew but my sister and my mom did and Callie would just send me all sorts of different things online that she would see where the name's Kai um he was very loud his energy is very loud very present you know when he's around right baby yeah. You're talking? Do you want more milk? <laughs> These are the noises for those who are having babies that you get to look forward to. And then as for Jasper, Joshua and I just really liked that name like a lot. We love the name. Um, we met in Banff National Park and right beside Banff National Park is Jasper. So we thought it was very fitting for that as well. Um, 
And then Smith is Josh's last name, which I will take whenever we get married. Um, so that is where his name came from. He chose his first name. And I mean, another thing with Jasper is it's a crystal. <laughs> so definitely love that part of it as well. Um, and I love the properties of Jasper. So felt very aligned. Our little sweet baby. Um, so that is part one is the actual birth of Kai Jasper Smith. Um, part two is going to talk about the afterbirth. So right after my placenta was was birthed, shit kind of hit the fan. Um, and I actually almost died. And when we talk about this story, it brings up a lot. So I wanted to do it in two parts to really just allow each space to have the proper attention that it needs, the proper processing that it needs. Um, Josh might join in for this second part. I'm not sure yet. Up to him if he thinks it'll help him with his healing. It was very traumatic for all of those who were involved. So Josh, myself, my mom, and my sister. Um, and I think that it deserves to be talked about because it is my story. However, I don't want to traumatize anyone else who may be having a baby. So um, I do want to say what happened to me is rare. It's not It's not the norm. Um, maybe I'll attach a trigger warning at the beginning um, just so that you can go into it being fully aware of what I'm going to talk about. Um, I was hesitant on even talking about it. I wasn't sure if I should. But it's my story and it's important to me and it's crucial for my healing. Um, my midwife has been really on board with me and my mental health and my healing in that way. Um, and she says some people heal by talking about things and I've always been that way. My throat chakra definitely loves to be open. So I think that's how I'm going to heal from this or even begin healing from this. Um, but the birth itself was beautiful considering it was in a hospital Everything that I went through in that part, I had consent fully. Um, I felt very calm and at peace and I never felt like my body, they were doing things to my body that I didn't want happening. Um, so that is one thing I do want to say. The first part is very much empowered and my and important to my story, but so is the second part because it's it's like a death and rebirth. Like that whole first part was the rebirth. And then the second part was death, like literally getting close to death. Um, it changes you a lot and changes those around you a lot too. And it makes them appreciate you and that relationship with life a lot more. I appreciate life in a really different way now. Um, so yeah, I do want to say that part will be coming out. I'm not sure when, um, timing things with a baby and then again if Joshua wants to join and just with when I'm feeling really called oh it's okay Kai has some words to say too um but yeah that's coming and it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot for me probably those listening won't have the same reaction but that's okay um that's okay so if you've listened to all of this thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to my birth story. Um, like I said, it was beautiful. I have my sweet angel in my arms, as you can hear. That's him trying to find the nipple, by the way, which he's on. There we go. 
breastfeeding is a journey all in itself. And I think I'll also do a little Q&A for after both of these parts. If anyone has questions, um, then they'll be able to ask. I'm an open book, as we know. So you're okay, Kai baby. Okay, thank you for listening. I love you guys so much. Sending all of the love. And I will talk to you in part two. Bye, everyone.